It's the After the Snow Podcast. Welcome back to another episode. This is number 26, I believe. I'm your co-host, Dave Mays. And as usual, every week, by my side, Freeway Rick Ross. You already know it forever. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's up. That's we what's ain't up. switching up. Ain't no switch <laughs> up with us. <laughs> For real. You know, it's, it's a rare breed, you know, that, that has that kind of loyalty and respect for each other man you already know man that we need more of that in the world we do we people sure jump the cruise too too fast you know what i'm saying first time they hit a bump in the road they gone like i'm <laughs> out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah man so um what you up to i know you're out of town getting ready for a big weekend oh man this is an exciting week for me uh um um i'm ecstatic you know uh to have one of the first guys that I worked with, you know, almost from the start to now see him fighting on TV uh, for me is is like a big deal. You know, uh, I, I can't even explain the words, you know. Um, so who's who's fighting and what, what day and where can people watch it? Because this will be out in time for people to, you know, still um, tune in. You can see the fight on the zone. Uh, they'll be fighting Saturday. The fight probably going to start around 7 o'clock. You probably can tune in around 7 and, and, uh, and, and, and catch it. I don't know the exact time. You know, uh-huh. I still don't keep up with times and dates and, and all that stuff. It's just, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, to be on the zone Saturday, uh, the fighter is Kid Austin, uh, Floyd Schofield uh, Jr. So, uh, you know, y'all tune in, check him out. You know, this is just a preview of what uh, what I got coming, you know, um, I've been working really hard at this boxing. Uh, I'm really passionate about it, and and I believe that uh, that I can do some big things in this game. What's what's his record? He ten and zero right now. He'll okay. be eleven and zero after after Saturday. Yeah. Uh, looking for a title shot. You know, he, he wants to fight. He wants to fight some of the big guys. You know, he's looking to fight the the tanks, the Devin Haney's, the uh, the Ryan Garcias. Um, the Telefinos, you know, all the big guys. He he wants he he wants a piece of all of them. And he's a young guy too. He's still just nineteen years old, so he still has a lot of growing to do and a lot of development to do. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, in that ring, he, he's a grown man. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll check we'll, him out. First time. We'll, first time on TV. Yeah, we'll be tuning in and um, rooting for him to get get a nice little knockout Saturday. Yeah, knockout will be big. Knockout will be big for him. First time, you know, at, at be like uh, uh, Bo Jackson. First time at bat, he get a grand slam, man. All right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so before we get into snowfall, I also wanted to talk to you about your trip um, this past weekend because you went to one of my old stomping grounds, which is Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, oh, so- man, off the change. Yeah, what was going on out there? I ain't been oh, to the bean in a minute. Oh, man. I went to a, a community center, standing room only, man. Standing room only. I mean, it was relatively small, you know, probably only 50, 75 people there. But with me, it ain't how big the crowd is. You know, it's it's how the the crowd received your message. And, and I felt, you know, that, that they really received it well, Um uh, it was just overwhelming, man, the, the, the love that I got, you know, uh, uh, 
from being there with with, with those guys and, and those ladies, man. They, they just showed mad love. Boston, shout out to Boston, man. <laughs> well, you yeah. were there for a few days, right? Like two, three days? Well, I did that. Then next, I went to a female empowerment golf tournament. Can you believe that? A female mm-hmm. empowerment group, they threw a golf tournament. Okay. Everywhere you go, they had weed stations. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, like pop-up? Yeah, all over. And they, each hole, man, each hole had a pop-up with oh. somebody with different uh, brands of marijuana and edibles and vapes and potato chips and, you know, just all the stuff, man. They was just out marketing their product. Uh, marijuana sponsored the golf tournament for uh, for this empowerment group. So it was, it was, it was nice, man, to say the least. So Boston, thumbs up on Boston, man. Right, shout, <laughs> shout out to the bean, you know, for those that don't know, um, that's where I got my start, really, in the hip-hop world and created The Source magazine back in the late 80s. I was uh, at Harvard University as an undergrad. Uh, Harvard is located in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is just basically like borders on Boston, uh, right across the river. And... Um, yeah, I hosted a radio show uh, on the station there, 95.3 FM. Uh, radio show was called Street Beat for four years. Uh, a lot of people that are from Boston back in the day, they they know me as Go-Go Dave because that was my radio host, <laughs> host, host name. Yeah, yeah, they still yeah, they still call me Go-Go up there in, in, in Boston. And uh, then the source started, you know, two years after I, I got to college, and uh, started as a newsletter that went out to all the hip-hop fans in Boston. And that really was my inspiration for creating The Source was, you know, just the, the fans in Boston, really, and, and uh, how much, you know, they loved hip-hop and how much they wanted to know more about it and things like that. So, um, and just blossom. Yeah, yeah. Did definitely. you ever think that it would get as big as it got? Yeah. When you started? I mean, yeah, I, I, the very, very first newsletter, maybe not, you know, but very soon after I did. I mean, I really I, I read this book about Rolling Stone magazine, which I didn't know anything about. But Rolling Stone uh, back in the 70s and really the 80s, it was the biggest magazine, you know, for pop culture in the country, in the world. It was huge. Um, but it had started as an underground newspaper back in the late 60s um, by this young kid who was a rock and roll fan. So I saw a lot of parallels and had a lot of inspiration when I learned that story. And I was like, man, I can I could do the same thing. I can start this small and turn it into the voice of the hip hop generation, uh, same way Rolling Stone did for the rock generation. Um, yes. So, yeah, you know, that was my my, my plan early on. Well, well you know, in, in um you know, people say, don't be a copycat. And my guy said, make sure you copy in the right cat. So, you know, when, when you using people like that to get ideas from and to 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 broaden your your horizon. And uh, that was one of the things I talked to them about at, 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 the, at the at the meeting in, in Boston was, you know, a lot of times they tell us don't be a copycat. Uh, but now I know make sure you copy in the right cat. 
Yeah. It's so important and, and that you got your your inspiration from from the guy who started Rolling Stone because he gave you the 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 ability to say, you know what, I could do the same thing he did. That's right. That's right. So yeah, man, I, know, just, I get a lot of mind from that too, you know, from seeing other people accomplish things that, you know, then I say, you know, maybe I can do the same thing. Or even better than what they did, you know, because the idea is to do better than what they did, but to take inspiration from from them. Yeah, so shout out to Boston, to Roxbury, Mattapan, Dorchester, South End, all the, the hoods out there that I used to spend a lot of time in. And, um, you know, definitely got love. Oh, no doubt. And they be watching our show. They be watching us. That's what's up. That's yeah, yeah. And they know, they know where you from too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, they, cl they claiming they, they, they claiming they. Okay. Good. Good. Glad yeah. to hear that. They should. Um, so yeah, so let's get into, um, this week's episode. Um, we may have a new, we may have a big guest next week. I got we got to holler at your boy echo and see if we can get this locked in. So I don't want to, get people too excited, but yeah. I'm excited about, about the guests that we might have on next week. So keep, keep, you know, keep, keep in tune. We'll, we'll keep you posted on that one. Um, but this week we're talking about, uh, season two snowfall. Uh, this is episode four. Um, it's called jingle bell rock. Uh, cause it's taking place around Christmas time is what we're, you know, seeing. Um, you know, Jingle Bell Rock. I don't know why they use that song in particular. It's a song from the late 50s, you know, that's become a Christmas classic staple. Um, but uh, that's that's what they uh, named the episode. So um, I don't think there's more to it than it was, I guess, rock. I guess that's what they're trying to play off the rock and the rock cocaine. So, mm. There you go. Very interesting. I, I didn't think about that, that, that they was trying to do the play. Um, it just came, it just came in my head now. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I didn't see it at first. I was like, well, why'd they pick that song? <laughs> you, know, you could have picked any Christmas song, but, but it makes sense thinking, though, because they, they yeah. during the episode, you know, one of the things that we noticed that Franklin was concerned about was, was hiring cooks because he yeah. didn't want his recipe to get out. He, he was afraid of, uh, you know, people getting the recipe. Yeah. Now, I feel like we may have talked about this on one of our previous episodes, but I, I wanted to ask you about it again. Um, you know, was that an issue for you when you got involved or did, you know, did people already kind of know how to make it? And did you bring any innovations into that process? Well, well, they were definitely already cooking when I got started. Um, so I didn't, uh, I didn't bring cooking to the game. But what I did do, and and, and kind of like what Franklin is saying in there, you know, about it being kind of a secret, you know, per se, but not really. You know, people would allow you to watch them do it, but nobody really was sitting down explaining it to to, to anybody. You know, if, if you didn't, if you didn't already know, at least for me, they, they definitely never explained it to me. Uh, 
so it was kind of a secret, you know, because they sometimes I would go buy my I would go buy my dope and then I would bring it to somebody and then they would charge me, you know, say I'd get an eighth, you know, eighth would be about uh, three hundred fifty bucks. And then they would charge me another 50 bucks to cook it up. But they probably would take 50 bucks in dope, you know, because most of the cookers was 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 smoking at the same time. So um, it was kind of a secret, you know, that, and they kind of protected it a little bit, but not to the extent to where we see Franklin trying to protect it, you know, where uh, uh, he's almost stopping production, you know, because uh, he can't find cooks to uh, that he can trust. Right. Right. Well, when when your operation grew and, um, you know, you started setting up your own uh, cook houses, um, were those similar to what we're seeing in Snowfall? And um, how did you you know, did, I guess you weren't worried about the recipe, but still trusting people in that kind of environment. How, how, how did you guys manage that? Well, you know, from the beginning, it, it was it was just a couple of us that was and I would cook, too, you know. Um, but what we did is we, we started to learn rapidly. You know, first we was cooking a gram, then we was cooking three grams and then we was cooking a quarter. And next, you know, we cooking ounces and it just evolution to we cooking quarter pounds. And and then, you know, in the end, we were cooking 30, 40 kilos at one time. You know, we, we, we figured out that. Uh, it was really no different from cooking 40 kilos and cooking uh, one gram. You just had to have bigger, bigger uh, utensils to, to, to cook in. And mm-hmm. that's what we got these, these great big old cooking pots. You know, the ones that you see when you go to restaurants and they'd be cooking uh, green beans for, for the whole, uh, uh, the right, whole city. So, right. yeah, so they had those big old pots. So what we did is start getting those industrial pots, industrial stoves, and uh, it made our job a lot easier. Uh-huh. Got it. Got it. Um, so, um, you know, this is an episode where, um, you know, we're, they're dealing with the aftermath of the two dealers that got stabbed to death in the Mexican neighborhood. Um, so we saw that happen. But now it's, you know, we're still dealing with the aftermath here. The guys, um, uh, you know, Franklin is trying to rally the troops, so to speak. Jerome's telling him, you know, people are kind of losing faith in you a little bit. And so, you know, Franklin plan is, you know, let's go out, buy a whole bunch of guns. We'll bring the whole, you know, group together and, um you know, uh, we'll give everybody guns. We'll teach them how to use the guns so they can be better protected from these type of things happening. We did something similar to that, too. You know, uh, I would buy guns for all the guys, you know, I, I, in, in South Central. You know, it's kind of important to, to be able to protect yourself. You know, uh, it's funny that one of one of my little guys he just got out of prison a couple couple uh, a couple months back, and I can remember when he was about fourteen or fifteen, and he's driving around in a brand new BMW, and he wasn't a gang member, you know, he wasn't a gang member, but the gang members used to chase him, 
you know, because he was a little boy in a car, got some money, and uh, he would always come running to me. Rick, Rick, uh, this guy named Dwight, Dwight would be chasing him, uh, uh, trying, trying to take his money. <laughs> so, uh, and, and we saw the same thing basically happen to two of Franklin's guys. You know, he came in, the guy took all the money, all the dope, and, uh, and sent them on their way. So uh, we, we had a similar situation where uh, I would give all my guys guns uh, uh, so that they could protect themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, and we may have talked about this on a previous episode as well, but I want to bring it back up. You know, as far as the availability of guns and the presence of guns, because the way it's presented in this episode, it's kind of like, you know, most of these guys don't have guns and have never used guns before. So it's kind of seems like, you know, guns are just becoming more part of, you know, uh, uh, things in the street life, let's say, at this stage. So um, speak speak on that a little bit, if you would. Well, you know, when when you don't have any money, you're not going to have no guns. Nobody's going to give you no gun for free. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, maybe maybe if your homie, you know, your homie might let you hold his pistol, but for the most part, if there's no money, there's no guns. And when there's plenty of money, there's plenty of guns. So, you know, as you start to make more money in the dope business, uh, you can buy better uh, guns and, and, and more of them. Uh, and that that's what basically happened to us. You know, when we were growing up, you know, it was a couple guys might have had a 22 where they had broken somebody's house and and stole a 22 or, you know, uh, a shotgun or, you know, every now and then an M1 rifle. Uh, but for the most part, we didn't really have guns. Uh, they weren't really prevalent in our in our neighborhoods because we didn't have the cash to, to sustain them. Hmm. So but once you start having money, you know, we started to see more and more weapons uh, become more and more readily available to, okay. to us. Makes sense. Um, so, um, just going back to dealing with this, uh, fallout, um, you know, from the stabbing deaths, uh, you know, obviously it's bringing a rift between Franklin and, and his boy, Kevin, um, last episode, we saw Franklin slap him. Um, and when this episode opens up, Franklin comes back to the house with everybody and he apologizes to Kev. Um, he's trying to you know, smooth things over. But as the episode goes on, we're seeing there's still quite a bit of, of tension um, when they're in the club later on celebrating with all the, the team there, uh, taking them out for this night of fun. You know, Kev and Franklin have some words. Uh, Kev tells Franklin that he took 5,000 out of the uh, proceeds to give to his cousin's mom, uh, you know, his cousin that had just got murdered. Franklin doesn't like that, you know, that he, he didn't tell him about it um, and, you know, made a point to let him know, you know, you can't just take money without telling me. And, uh, um, you know, and then Kev also basically, what was the term he used? He said, you know, you, you uh you have us still out here like bitches, you know. So in, in his mind, you know, because they didn't do something, you know, drastic to retaliate, 
um, they're looking soft and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that dynamic. Yeah, well, you know, you have to weigh the 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 the, the variables between being soft and being a fool. You know, uh, on the one hand, you know, if you go and retaliate, you could bring the police involved. You know, um, I'm surprised the police didn't come and get more involved anyway, just from the two murders. But you're talking about now, if if they go and retaliate on Mexicans, just any random, because basically they don't, they still don't know who did the who did the murder. So if you go and retaliate just on anybody, then you could bring more heat on you and 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 eventually get your business shut down. So you you always have that balancing act. You know, do I want to take a chance on getting my business shut down by going and, and being tough uh, uh, and and uh, getting revenge or do I be smart and figure out a way that I can do this without bringing attention uh, and, and, and the publicity that, that would go along with, uh, with me retaliate. Okay. Um, so we're, we're kind of seeing Franklin dealing with um, how to manage the growth of, of the business, because obviously we've seen from like the last episode, product is moving, business is growing fast, lots of things happening. So, you know, Franklin is, is being, you know, kind of challenged here to elevate his leadership and um, figure out the, the right ways to um, manage growing a, a big operation like this. Especially for somebody who's never who's never ran a business, who's never really been in charge, because um, they they really didn't give us any background on where Franklin got his uh, his business savvy from. You know, say like a guy like me, I've always kind of been in charge of my crew. You know, when when we played football, I was a quarterback. We played basketball. I'm the point guard. Uh, when we played baseball. I'm the pitcher. So I'm I'm usually I've always been pretty much in a position of, of 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 leadership, even though it was it was unspoken. You know, it wasn't something that we took a vote and everybody said, "Oh, Rick, you're the leader." Uh, no, it was something that was just kind of like understood. Mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah. Well. Um, so one of the things, because because you know, I mean, I I I think also that entrepreneurial sense, you know, something that some people are kind of born with, um, you know, cause, cause I was always entrepreneurial as a, as a kid, you know, different little hustles and things, always trying to make money so I could buy things that I wanted, you know, from a very young age and always trying to figure out how to make more money. Um, and when going back to what I was talking about earlier, even when I started the source, I didn't know anything about, magazines and magazine <laughs> publishing, you know, I, but I figured it out as I went along. Um, you know, I just, I wasn't intimidated by that. I just looked at it like, you know, it's not that hard to do. I just got to figure it out. I got to study what other people are doing, uh, meet the right people, try to learn from different, you know, people and resources of, of how to, you know, uh, perfect this business. Um, but you don't have to have formal training necessarily 
you know, to really, you know, have a knack for for picking that kind of stuff up. Yeah, well, well, you 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 were more you were fearless. You know, you didn't have any fear of failure. You know, some people have a tendency to to not think that they can. You know, they don't think that they can make it. So uh, um, they never try. So you do have you you may not know where you got that skill from, but you picked that skill up from somewhere, from something that that taught you to have that 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 fearlessness to to go for what you believe uh, you should be going for. Hmm. Um, I, I don't believe that's natural. Hmm. You know, I believe it's something that that we learn uh, through some form or some fashion. I believe that everything that we do, everything that we say, is stuff that we've heard other people say, uh, saw, and maybe we don't do it exactly like they do it, but we've taken bits and pieces of everything we've saw, heard, and 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 been around, and that's how we come up with our own assumptions of what uh, what it is. So one one of the things that that Franklin is doing um, to try to figure out how to manage things is uh, he has Teddy bring him to this banker guy um, who's offering to basically launder his cash for him, um, you know, set up, uh, well, he set up an account overseas, set up a, a corporation overseas. When Franklin tells him he wants to invest his money into real estate and the guy's like, well, we can set this corporation up overseas and that'll kind of protect, shield you from people kind of knowing who's investing, buying these properties or whatever he was hoping to do with the money. So, um, but he's, he's still very suspicious. We don't know whether he went forward with that or not. Um, but was it his idea or Teddy's idea? Well, it may have been Teddy. I think, you know, Teddy made the comment, you know, like you're bringing me all these 35s and ones, you know, have you ever used a bank before? Like, why aren't you bringing me bigger bills? And that was, I think, the start of the conversation a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, because, you know, one of the things that 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 I be thinking, you know, here this guy is from South Central L.A., you know, he don't know about all that stuff. You know, he don't know about laundering money. Like when I was coming up, I didn't know about laundering money. I didn't know about having bank accounts in, in foreign countries and 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 you know where do you learn that from? You know, right? How, how do you how do you find out about these things? Well, the only way you can find out about them is somebody who has that experience and that knowledge starts to uh, give you those ideas. Um, and that's why I was kind of curious about you know this being Franklin's idea is because you know I don't know where he could have got his mom wasn't definitely wasn't thinking about investing in the Cayman Islands and. You know, right. having offshore bank accounts, and his dad, you know, who we found out was 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 a dauphin and and was a recovering addict and homeless. So he definitely wasn't uh, uh, thinking about having offshore accounts and and so forth. So you know, right. you got to wonder where did Franklin get these ideas from, and uh, what made right. him start thinking like that. I mean, did did you ever reach that point where you started to learn about that type of stuff, or or? It, yeah, it was much later though in the game. You know, they were telling me about uh, uh, going over to uh, Panama, 
in in uh, Switzerland. You know, one time they they were saying Switzerland was a good place to park some money, uh, but it was at a much later time. You know, it wasn't in the beginning of my career when you know when when I only had you know twenty, thirty thousand, forty thousand uh, dollars. Right. Money money buys you knowledge. You know, when when people right. find out you got money, uh, they want to give you information. Uh, whether it's good information sometimes, sometimes not good information, uh, but their main purpose is that they're trying to get some of that money that you got. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you, um, were there any people that you met along the way in your travels, you know, that you, you, you know, either you went into business with who were, you know, from, you know, maybe a more corporate world or anything like that, or, or maybe gave you, some some advice um you know did you eventually you know meet people like that that you were able to oh, absolutely to absolutely you know i did i did a lot of real estate deals you know uh, uh um i own i actually finished one motel i was in the process of building three more uh but in that process you know i used to go to the uh, uh, the city of Los Angeles put a moratorium on, on motels, and that's why I didn't get the other three finished. It wasn't because that I wasn't capable of finishing them, but the city put a moratorium on them uh, uh, right before, and then I got arrested before the moratorium was lifted. Uh, but I used to go to all the meetings, you know, where uh, everybody was trying to get the moratorium taken off of motels. And, you know, I met some pretty powerful people in in, in, the, in the motel and hotel business. It was uh, definitely a booming business. Also in the real estate business, I met some some pretty, uh, pretty substantial people in that as well. So, uh, yes, I did meet people, you know, who taught who taught me tricks, you know, who taught me things that uh, to this day, I still want to exercise those. Uh, but I can't exercise them until I get my money up. You know, you just can't. You can't work these kind of deals, you know, with a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. You really need, you know, three, four, five million dollars to really uh, be able to play in in in, in the games that uh, some of these. It's almost like a card game, you know. You walk into a poker game and the buy-in is is four hundred thousand, you know, and all you got is fifty. You got to sit back and watch. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of the position I'm in right now uh, with some of the games that I learned. Uh, uh, from from people that I did business with who used to help me clean my money up, really, you know. Did, did you ever do any kind of business with Danilo outside of, you know, your main business with him? No, we never did. Uh, I almost got a rent-a-car place, you know. He, he, he was big in the rent-a-car places. And um, I almost got a rent-a-car agency, but uh, it didn't happen for some reason or another. But okay. no, we never did anything else outside of, uh, you know, we swapped a few cars, but, you know, wasn't wasn't no big deal. You know, wasn't no 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 real business deal. No. Right. Right. Um, so just finishing the thought about, you know, kind of the business growing and the type of pressures that uh, Franklin is having to deal with and the decisions he's he's got to start making. And, you know, I think even. Teddy gave him a little speech about that. You know, you got to decide who you're going to trust because you can't do it all yourself, that type of thing. Um, So we see Franklin 
in this episode, making the decision to bring Wanda in to help with the cooking because he's been, you know, he was afraid to bring Wanda in because he didn't want her to run her mouth or, you know, tell people about the recipe or whatever, talk about it. Um, and we see him getting involved in the split between Jerome and Louie. So they have yeah. they have they're having a fight. Louie, you know, basically walks out on Jerome and is shacked up with the uh, homegirl from the, the nightclub. <laughs> um, I'm still a little confused about why there was so much animosity or, or problems there. I guess Louie just really wanted a little more control and independence. Um, maybe she felt Jerome wasn't respecting her place. Um, but yeah, Franklin tries to smooth that over. He's like, you know, telling Louis, we, we, you know, we need you. And uh, so I think those were some other things that kind of spoke to the kind of challenges and the decisions he's got to make to help manage the, the growth of, of what's going on. Yeah, because he definitely wanted Louis to come back. He was definitely trying to get her back. And uh, old girl was peeping that, too, that, that he was trying to bring her back to, 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 uh, to their organization. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like she had been uh, uh, spending lavishly on, on, on Auntie Louie. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, she brought yeah. her home. said she had been enjoying herself, stuff that uh, I, I felt that she was saying, like, it was stuff that Jerome hadn't been doing. You know, mm-hmm. what she had been doing for her, Jerome wasn't doing it, so... Um, she felt real good about her situation. Yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, she probably feels like Jerome taking her for granted. I can understand that. Um, but uh, um, I guess maybe one or two other things I think are important in this episode we should we should touch on. Um, you know, one was the whole uh, situation that Teddy finds himself in, having to recruit his brother in the middle of the night to go dig up some bodies in the middle of some abandoned area. That threw me off there. I was like, why is he digging up bodies he's already disposed of? You know, it was like really baffled me. You know, why was it? Why were they doing that? Right. Well, apparently uh, he chose a poor place to bury Alejandro and the woman, um, uh, a couple episodes ago, um, you know, he didn't take him out to the desert, apparently, um, maybe try to cut some corners, but it's some type of area that he reads in the paper is being dug up for building some sites for the Olympics that were coming to LA and they were going to dig up this whole area and build some, some stuff for the Olympics. And he's freaking out, goes over there to find out what's going on and basically realizes, you know, they're going to dig these bodies up in the next day or so. I don't hurry up and, and get them out of there. Um, so, yeah, he has, has to bring his brother down and they, they manage to find the bodies and get them out of there before sun up. But Well, I'm glad you explained that to me because I was totally baffled on that. Uh-huh. I, I went kind of hard on the writers, you know. I was like, oh, they're just throwing in fillers right now. Trying, right. trying, <laughs> trying to fill some pages up. So yeah. <laughs> I guess that makes more sense to me, you know, since since the way you explained it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was still still kind of odd, you know. I'm not sure what the 
purpose of it is because you know, maybe we'll learn more why that was important later and not just something they just threw in there for a little extra pizzazz. Um, but that and then the other big news is, you know, we see Pedro, remember, has come back and he's now working with Lucia and Oso. We haven't really talked about them uh, this episode. Uh, they only had a couple, you know, parts in it. Um, and, uh, you know, pretty, got- pretty big stuff, though. The raid was 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 pretty. Um, it's pretty dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, so were- uh, for me, that would have that would have that would have shook me up. I, I probably would have changed locations that day. You know, I would have totally revamped everything, threw all the phones away. Right. Uh, I probably would have been finding some people to get rid of. But then I guess since they come under INS, you know, they kind of they kind of threw them a little bit, you know, with the INS exposure. But I don't care who it was with me. If it had been law enforcement coming to my spot, I would have totally changed. Right. You would have felt like something funny's going on. It wasn't just a coincidence that that they showed up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I'd have been looking for bugs, you know, um, yeah, and 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 definitely with um, with the cousin and and his girlfriend coming back, you know, I would definitely would have been looking at them sideways. Like, damn, this shit didn't happen till y'all got here. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. It seemed like also has got his eye on things. Is probably thinking along those lines. Lucia, because he, he says to her, "You got a soft spot for your cousin." Um, at one point in 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 the show. Oh yeah, sure does. I I remember yeah. that now. Yeah. Yeah. And then the girlfriend is out running, you know, having secret meetings, you know, uh, with undercover police officers. Well, that's the big news. The big news at the at the end, we see the girlfriend, Soledad, uh, you know, doing her little jogging through the park and meeting up with, um, you know, what appears to be a law enforcement agent um, and, uh, you know, exchanging information. So we now know she's undercover. Um, law enforcement that's infiltrating, um, you know, Lucia and Oso's operations along with uh, Pedro. So, uh, you know, that's that's going to be interesting. And and, and we, we see now that they used a, in uh, immigration raid that's kind of cover for her because when the raid was, she happened to be there, Soledad, and she starts talking mad shit and she's yelling back and trying to show Lucia how down she is and the INS agent slaps her and, you know, she's going into a whole thing to try to convince Lucia that she's down. Um, seemed like it worked on Lucia, but, you know, hopefully between her and also they, they wise up sooner than later. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think we covered most of the uh, important stuff. There was, you know, a few more things with Franklin's mom and, and dad coming back in the story for a little bit at the end, you know, where she goes down to the hospital and reluctantly brings him back home. So uh, we'll see, you know, what 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 happens with that going forward. Um, and uh, yeah, it's Christmas time. Everybody's, you know, most oh, people. Seem happy. Yeah. 
seem happy and optimistic. And uh, But I'm sure we come back next week and we're going to find some twists and turns uh, that, that, that uh, take some of that cheer right out of there. You got to see the party, too. They had a party. That's true. Franklin and them had a party. Yes, That's they had right. some fun. They had some fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. And some that money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Enjoy was, yourself. Exactly. Exactly. That that was that was a good scene. Um so um so yeah, man, let's um let's you know, let's wrap up. Um, you know, this is another episode of After the Snow. Um we appreciate y'all uh for checking us out and uh staying in tune. Um, you know, the new Snowfall will probably come out next year. You know, they announced the last season is is uh, going to be made a final season. I don't think it'll come out till next year, but you know, we'll try to keep going through these back episodes before we get geared up for the uh, you know the new season coming back next year. But we we'll uh, be caught up. We should be caught up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, we'll get this guest I'm close next week. to it. Um, hey, don't you know, forget, y'all tell a friend. Check us out. You know, and send us your comments on what you think about the show, what you think we should be talking about, where we missing the point at and where we right on time. Yes, please do. You can follow, uh, you know, uh, the network at Breakbeat Media on Instagram. You can follow me at The Real Dave Mays on Instagram and uh, at Freeway Ricky um, on Instagram for, for Rick. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, after the snow, another one. Appreciate y'all. Peace. Peace.